Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. And oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, we have a massive UFC event this weekend, the pay-per-view, the big fall finale event, I don't even know what you want to call it, in Abu Dhabi, UFC 294, headlined by the rematch between Islam Makachev, current lightweight champion, and Alexander Volkanovsky, current featherweight champion, as Volk looks to become a double champ. Incredible stuff this weekend. I cannot wait to go over that whole card. I can't wait to watch it, first off. Prelims begin at like 9 or 10 in the morning here in Minnesota, and the main card kicks off at like one o'clock so one o'clock eastern for any of my east coast listeners um gonna be a huge event we're gonna be covering every single fight on that card of course to end the episode the big shebang to end it gonna be lots of fun of course gonna be talking about all the new fight announcements that have happened in these last three days i mean a bunch yesterday a bunch went down uh wednesday that would have been uh, October 18th. Yes, today's the 19th as I'm recording this. So we're going to be covering all those fights. Going to be doing a brief little MLB playoff check-in. Nothing much. Just going to see what's happening. Of course, doing my NFL Week 7 picks and, as always, other stuff along the way. But, yes, almost Friday. By the time most of you are listening to this, it will probably be Friday. Very excited for the weekend to come. Going to be fun. Maybe go to some of my uh, school's hockey t- games. Uh, of course, we are a top 25 hockey team in the nation. That is right. Super exciting stuff. Uh, probably go to some parties, hang with the boys. And, I mean, UFC 294 is what's going to make my weekend also, Sunday, I'm doing this My Place Mile for my, uh, if I've mentioned on past episodes, I'm doing this like company thing where like we're called Evergrowing Co. We sell sweatshirts. So if you guys want to buy one of those, um, you can go to Evergrowing Co. IBE on Instagram. I always post it on the Surprise Jet Podcast story and my personal Zach Ruger Instagram story. Follow us on Facebook. We do have a TikTok. But, you know, don't really post anything on there. I was supposed to be the one doing all that stuff. But, I mean, I I just make little UFC reaction TikToks. I don't really choreograph. Yeah, that's probably the right word. Choreograph TikToks. I don't really know if anything's going to come of that. But be sure to check us out. And, yeah, we're doing a little mile run with, like, our uh, charity. We're part or charity, our uh, nonprofit we are partnered with called uh, Mankato Youth Place. So should be good. All profits go to them. Very much excited to do all that. But yeah, let's uh let's get the ball rolling. You know, I had a good day of classes, got to see some of my classmates. I actually enjoy my classmates this semester, which is a big surprise from like other years or my other my last two years where I've only had a couple classes where I've enjoyed actually going. So this has been a very good semester, been a very good week, been a good day, I'll say. So let's keep it going. Kicking us off, let's talk about uh, actually we'll do a little MLB playoff check-in, I think so, because that's just going to be brief. You know me, I don't really follow the MLB playoffs. I don't really follow the, follow the MLB in general. It's nothing personal. Baseball just isn't for me. I actually played it like my first six kindergarten to like sixth grade. I played uh, t-ball, coach pitch, then actual baseball. And yeah, it just was never really for me. I, don't, I wasn't terrible, but you know, I wasn't necessarily like a... Uh, worthy of playing like traveling baseball you know it was always like community ed and stuff so that never really stuck with me but the 2023 postseason been rolling along the texas rangers currently lead the houston astros two to one they actually play in game four tonight 
on um, uh, tonight as we speak, October 19th. So you'll find out tomorrow who won. And as for the Diamondbacks and Phillies, Phillies currently lead 2-0. They also play in Game 3 tonight, October 19th. They've been on a roll from what I've seen. So definitely going to say that the Phillies are looking to be the team to advance. I mean, they won their f- Game 2, 10-0. They won Game Game one, five to three. So uh, I mean, Texans won game one over Houston, two to zero. Uh, Texans also won five to four. But Houston, eight to five yesterday, beat the Texas Rangers. So we'll see what comes of all that. But been pretty interesting. I'll say it sucks that the, ter- the uh, Twins got out. Very unfortunate, but it is what it is. The World Series is approximately going to be kicking off October twenty seventh. Wow, game one, October 27th, Friday. Wow, so that's coming up, boys. That is in, that's actually next week, so we'll know who's in the World Series by the end of next week. Cool stuff there. That's your little MLB check-in, little MLB playoff check-in, if you will. Nothing really, nothing really much to go over as far as baseball is concerned. But, um, you know, it's not too bad of a sport. I have some friends that play baseball. I know some people that play it. And I, uh, I would watch them play, but I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to watch an MLB game. But if it's on the TV, uh, there's no, uh, no shame in checking it out. But um, moving on to a bunch of fight announcements, just insane. I mean, I record usually on Mondays and Thursdays. So we pretty much have anything after I'm done recording Monday, anything before I record Thursday, and then just Tuesday and Wednesday. And in that time period, there always seems to be so many fight announcements. So we're, uh, we got a lot to, lot to talk about here. We'll kick off with some non-UFC-related stuff, but two UFC veterans going down bare-knuckle fighting championship December 2nd, Salt Lake City, Utah. Mike Perry will be taking on Eddie Alvarez, two UFC legends. Of course, Eddie Alvarez, former UFC lightweight champion. Of course, the man Conor McGregor knocked out at UFC 205. Most people know him from that, unfortunately, and the press conference and such. But now he's coming off a big win over Chad Mendez, another former UFC fighter in bare-knuckle fighting. Picked up a good win there, and he's back in action. As for Mike Perry... I mean, Mike Perry, another UFC vet, uh, fought in the top 15 of welterweight a couple of times. But uh, coming off a big bare-knuckle fighting championship win over Luke Rockhold, another UFC veteran. I mean, all these old UFC guys just seem to be going to bare-knuckle fighting at this point. But Mike Perry also beat uh, MVP, a notable Bellator fighter, uh, uh, Michael Venom Page, who uh, might be coming to the UFC soon, actually. He beat him in bare-knuckle fighting. Um, what else? I mean, Mike Perry's done a lot. I mean, he was the backup fighter for Logan Paul and, uh, what's his face? Dylan Dennis. And now he's taking on Eddie Alvarez. So that should be a super interesting fight. I'll probably catch it somehow. Not going to say on here how I might be watching that. Um, and I call it unfortunate news, but it's honestly not that unfortunate. Um, Jennifer Maya, who is currently the number 11 woman's flyweight, chose not to resign with the UFC after her last fight where her contract expired. She uh, was 2-1 and one her last three fights and now is going to be a free agent. So uh, Jennifer Maya, no longer in the UFC, will have a new UFC women's flyweight in the rankings come next Tuesday. So I'll be, keep your eyes out for that. But yeah, honestly, not going to miss her too much. I mean, her probably biggest career accomplishment was winning round two over Valentina Shevchenko when she fought for the title. Other than that, she got dominated for uh, four other rounds. So, goodbye, Jennifer Maya. Nice seeing you, but um, your time has come. And now, honestly, there were a couple of other UFC fighters who um, 
got the boot, if you want to say it like that. They got kicked out, or they just got released, but none really notable, so no sense in covering them. New fight announcements. We have a big one for UFC 296, the big pay-per-view to end us out in December, headlined by Leon Edwards and Colby Covington, as Cody Garbrandt, former bantamweight champion, is taking on Brian Kelher. Cody coming off a win, a a UFC career-saving win over Trevin Jones back in March. He'll take on Brian Kelher. I have no idea what Brian Kelher's record is. At the moment, I mean, that guy's just been floating in and out of getting wins. And there was a time that he was actually going to be in the top 15, but that time has sadly passed. Um, let me just clarify, he's coming off, uh, he's, he's on a two-fight losing streak, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. One of those is to Umar Nurmagomedov, and the other one is to Mario Batista. Both of those guys are absolute killers at bantamweight. But yeah, Cody Garbrandt, Brian Keller should be an interesting matchup. I'll probably go with Cody Garbrandt for that, but um, I don't really expect much. Also, going down at UFC 296, we have Shamil Gazioff taking on Martin Boudet. Martin Boudet is currently the number 15-ranked um, heavyweight in the UFC. And this is just, I absolutely love this, as Shamil Gazioff is coming off of a win on the Dana White's Contender Series from this past season. He said he wanted to debut against a top 15 heavyweight, and they gave him his wish. I know Martin Boudet is on like a five- or six-fight wing streak in the UFC Shamil Gaziev, if I'm not um, mistaken, is undefeated in his professional career. So sign me up for that fight. Going to be super entertaining. December cannot come quick enough. Also announced for UFC 296. I mean, this might just be the most stacked card of all time. And the, the UFC just always seems up themselves. They just always seem to do it. As we head to the featherweight division, as number eight, Giga Chikadze, will be taking on number six, Josh Emmett. I know Josh Emmett was teasing a move to lightweight after his last loss to Iatopura, but no, he'll be fighting at featherweight. He'll be taking on Giga Chikadze, who's coming off a big win over Alex Caceres back in August. Faywon caught that fight. Both these fighters are coming off a of fight of the night performances. I mean, super entertaining from these guys. Cannot wait to see that fight. I favor Giga in that fight, by the way. I think Giga will probably, probably give... Um, Josh Emmett to run for his money. After seeing what uh, Iotopira did to Josh Emmett, I don't doubt that Giga can win a three-round fight against him. Let's talk about the big one, big one, though, ladies and gentlemen, if I can pronounce right. And that is the December 2nd UFC Fight Night card in Austin, Texas, going down at the Moody Center. Going to be a historic event. I mean, this is one of the most loaded cards I have ever seen. The recent fights they just announced yesterday was Benil Dariush versus Armin Tazukri. And if no one knows, Benil Dariush is currently number four at men's lightweight in the rankings. Armin Tazukrian at eight. So we have a top five fighter fighting in the lightweight division. And guess what? That fight is not even the main event as it was announced number nine ranked lightweight and number 12 ranked Bobby Green. Um... Dan Hooker's at 9, and uh, Bobby Green's at 12, I should say. Getting ahead of myself, we'll be fighting in the main event. So, logic just thrown out the window. I don't know why we think Dan Hooker versus Bobby Green is bigger than that fight. But, um, man, sign me up for both those fights. But let me just get this straight also. I have no idea why Dan Hooker versus Bobby Green is headlining over them. I almost hope that that fight falls through. Because also on this card, you have Rob Font. Versus Davisian uh, Figueroa. Oh my gosh, um, I cannot remember his name. 
Devison Figueredo, uh, former flyweight champion. Oh my gosh, he hasn't fought in a while. He's currently ranked number two at flyweight, and he's debuting in the Ben Twain division against the number eight guy. I thought that would be the main event. It's not the main event, all right? You may also ask yourself, oh, Jared Cannonier is taking on Roman Dolodize in the middleweight division. Jared Cannonier, the number four middleweight. Roman Dolodize, the number seven middleweight. But no, that's not even the main event. I mean, you could even argue that number nine ranked Sean Brady in the welterweight division is taking on Kelvin Gaslam. That could headline a fight night. I mean, what else we have? Khalil Roundtree Jr. versus Armin Tezukrian. I mean, um... Or not Armin Tezukrian, Azamat Mirzakhanov. I'm sorry about that. Azamat Mirzakhanov, number 12, and Khalil Roundtree Jr., number 11, in the light heavyweight division. Just so many fights. I'm getting all scrambled up in my head. I mean, also on that card, you have Misha Tate fighting. You also have Clay Guida fighting, Drakkar Klaus. This card is absolutely loaded, but I'm very perplexed by the decision to have Bobby Green and Dan Hooker headline over other of those matchups, but uh, I do favor Armin Tezukrian over Benil Dariush. I'm going to say Dan Hooker over Bobby Green. That's just how I feel. Um, probably going Roman Dolodiz. No, I'm going Jared Gannier over Roman Dolodiz, if I'm being honest. Azamat Mirzakhanov over Khalil Roundtree Jr. And what's another one? I'm probably going with Sean Brady over Kelvin Gaslam, if I'm being honest. And we'll round it out with the most recent fight announcement announced today as it was announced that number 14-ranked um, welterweight contender Neil Magny, veteran of the game, will be taking on Mike Mallett at UFC 297 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada in 2024. Mike Mallett, 10-1. He's 3-0 in the UFC, coming off a back-to-back performance of the Knights. I mean, this guy's an absolute killer. Cannot wait to see that fight in, um, gosh, where will we be? Canada. I just said it. But yes, going to be super exciting. Sign me up for it. I mean, sign me up for all these fights. Just crazy stuff. These UFC matchmakers have been going crazy. Um, they actually signed the guy who won the uh, card builder sweepstakes the UFC was doing this summer. They actually signed that guy to the UFC, which I find insane. They must not have liked my card. I pitched a pretty good card, I felt. But nonetheless, nothing came of it. Um, I'll tell you what is going to come, though. That sounded weird, but I'm talking about week seven of the NFL. That's right, week seven in the NFL going down. Um, uh, I mean, we have a game actually going on as I'm recording between the Jaguars and the Saints, but uh, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't looked at any of the uh, statistics yet, so my picks are uh, still official. Right, we're coming off of a down week, I will say. Week six, I only got nine correct picks. You know, not as good as my uh, 12th pick week in week four. So we're looking to bounce back this week. We're looking to be perfect. Um, we do have a couple teams on the bye this week. The Panthers are on the bye. Thank goodness. 0-6, desperately in need of a bye. Um, you also have the uh, Bengals. They'll be going on a bye. But they are on a little two-game win streak, so hopefully they can collect themselves and get back to their uh, form. You also have the Cowboys going to the bye. I mean, they're coming off a big Monday night football win. Over uh, the Chargers, one game, one streak, sitting at four and two. Their defense, super impressive this season. Texans also going on a bye. The Texans been such a surprise this season. I'll say three and three. They're actually positive in points, four to points against. Coming off of a big win over, oh my gosh, who did they? They upset someone last week, didn't they? The Texans, they beat the Saints last week. That's right. I remember that game because uh, Damian Pierce did nothing for my fantasy team. Gosh, one of the biggest letdowns, I swear. Cannot with that guy. 
Jets also going on a bye after the huge upset over the uh, Eagles. They're now uh, on a little two-game win streak, 3-3. Three and three. It's Jets team, man. I really hope they make the playoffs. Sneak in the wild card. Maybe, maybe Aaron Rodgers returns, and we just see some history. We just see some history. That would be so cool. And the last team on the bye this week is the Titans, one of the most unpredictable teams in the league. They're at 2-4, two and two-game losing streak. It's been a tough season for Titans fans. And Derrick Henry might be traded. I honestly, I honestly don't doubt that he should be traded because he has just had a pitiful, pitiful season. He's hit or miss every game, and the Titans clearly need to shake something up up but without a doubt let's get into our picks for week seven kicking us off going down now as i just said we have the jaguars visiting the saints saints currently sitting at three and three they do have a positive points four to points against are coming off a loss last week as i mentioned to the texans as for their opponent, the Jaguars, 4-2, top of the AFC South by a game on a three-game winning streak, plus 20 in points, four to points against. I'm going to just say point differential. That sounds better. Kind of rolls off the tongue better. And yeah, should be a, should be a good game. As I um, look at it right now, Jaguars are up 7-0 in the first three and a half minutes left in the first quarter. I was going to pick the Jaguars. I have it on an Excel sheet if anyone wants to... Uh, debate me on it. I have the time I put this in. I always make my picks Wednesday, essentially. I rarely change them up a bit, but yes, I am going with the Jaguars for this game. And I have a number of players. I mean, I got Calvin Ridley now. I traded Calvin Ridley to my friend for Jordan Addison, big Vikings fan. Figured I'd throw him a bone, and it was honestly a fair trade. Calvin Ridley yet to get a catch in this game. I also have Travis Etienne in my family league. I have the J Jaguars defense in like two or three leagues, and uh, I think I put Chris Olave on my bench for this week in my six-man all-star league. I did. I did, actually. I put Mike Evans in. But we got ETN and the Jaguars D in that league. I'm actually, yeah, I got the Jaguars D in my 10-man $20 buy-in league. Uh, I'm playing Calvin Ridley, and I have Calvin Ridley. And I'm also playing Chris Olave. So we got a lot going on. It's pretty hectic. But, um, yeah, we're going with the Jaguars. Because if they win, they'll be 5-2. and two. That is, That's a pretty crazy thing if the Jaguars can start 5-2. and two. Checking us out next, we got the Falcons visiting the Buccaneers. Always love a good divisional matchup in the AFC in the NFC South. Buccaneers three and two, Falcons three and three, both of the top teams in the NFC South. Bucks are coming off of a loss to the Lions last week. As for the Falcons, just a oh gosh, Falcons are just a. I, I thought they were going to win last week, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, oh, no, I did. No, yeah, I did pick them over the Commanders. And Sam Howell decided to go on a little revenge game after the Bears loss. So, um, yeah, Falcons also coming off of a loss. Uh, Buccaneers are actually uh, plus two in point differential. Falcons minus 21 in point differential. They've given up 120 points, which isn't too bad compared to other teams, but still not good enough. I am going to pick the Buccaneers in this one. I just, from what I saw last in the last few weeks, Buccaneers seem to be performing better than the Falcons, and we're at home for the Bucs. I'm hoping that can help them a bit, and uh, I do have Mike Evans in in a couple leagues, so I am, I will be rooting for Mike Evans, and um, hopefully he can perform well for me. Keeping us rolling with these uh, noon games, we have the Raiders at the Bears. I'll keep it short. I'll keep it sweet. We're going with the Raiders, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I just have no hope. For this Bears team, and I'm sorry, all right? My entire family are Bears fans, except, like, my mom, pretty much. 
She's a Vikings fan, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, my whole family, they're from Chicago. They're Bears fans. Bears are one in five, which if I can do some quick math in my head, have a minus 48 point differential. Wow. Just, just in a terrible season. They're coming off of a loss to the Vikings last week, which was just a sloppy game overall. Ugh, Justin Fields, I don't know if he'll be sticking around much longer. They seem to like him, if I'm being honest. Raiders are 3-3, three and three, second in the AFC West on a little two-game win streak, despite having a minus 31-point differential. So this should be just an amazing game, if I'm being honest. And my last note will be that Khalil Herbert screwed me over by getting injured and not doing the best this season. Keeping us rolling, we got the Browns heading up to, or over to Indianapolis, Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Browns coming off of one of the biggest upsets, if not the biggest, last week. They squeaked out a win over the Eagles in incredible fashion. They're now 3-2. Uh, and two. Also, plus 28-point differential. Good for you guys. Quarterback situation's just terrible. I mean, they lost Nick Chubb. But this team just finds a way to win because of their defense. Only giving up 77 points this season. If I'm not mistaken, they're the best defense in the AFC. And that's right. They are the best defense in the league. The Cleveland Browns giving up the least amount of points. Now, as for their opponents, the Colts, 3-3, three and three, coming off of a loss, minus 12-point differential. It's been an interesting season. The loss of Anthony Richardson, who it was announced will get season-ending shoulder surgery. Is definitely going to hurt them, but Gardner Minshew can can ball when he needs to. Don't really know if he's going to in this one. I don't really know if I have any players in. I think I have Amari Cooper starting in one league. He's on my bench in another league. Um, and as for the Colts, I mean, I want Zach Moss on my team. But, you know, him and uh, Jonathan Taylor, they continue to share touches. But we're going to go with the Cleveland Browns. Heading on to a, ooh, another divisional matchup between the Commanders and the Giants. An interesting one in the NFC East. Giants are 1-5 on a four-game losing streak. One of the worst offenses in the league. They've only scored 71 points this season compared to giving up 167. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. A minus 90... What is it? Minus 90... Try to do my math. Minus 96 point differential. Ugh, just gross. Um, as for the Commanders, 3-3, three and three, coming off of a big win last week. I mean, this uh, this Commanders team, they're hit or miss every single week, but they definitely probably won't miss this week. Now, I will say I am going to pick the Commanders in this one, but the Giants showed some hope against the Bills on uh, s s Sunday Night Football, it was. I was trying to think of last week. So uh, if the Giants pull off the upset, I would not be surprised, but just because of how bad they've been, I think... I think I have to go with the commanders, but you know, you know, I, I can't really, I can't say anything. You know, I might just jinxed myself by saying, Oh, I think they're going to do this. If they're going to do this, but no, we're going to go with the commanders and uh, I have no players riding in that game playing. I should say on my fancy football teams, by the way, Week eight, we're going to do a full uh, fancy football check-in going to go over the top 10, um, Wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, defenses, kickers, all that for ESPN PPR League. So stay tuned for that. Actually, I should write a little note, actually. Um, rank all positions next week. Yeah, we'll remember that for the next episode. We might do that on episode 36, so probably next Thursday's episode. Or we might only have one next week. We'll see. As um, actually, we're probably only gonna have one next week as the UFC 
is not going down for Halloween weekend. So maybe only one episode next week. Stay tuned for that. Keeping us going, we have the Lions visiting the Ravens. Oh, this could be game of the week, ladies and gentlemen. The Lions are 5-1, tied for first in the NFC. They are three games ahead of us in the NFC North. They're on a four-game winning streak. They have a plus 55-point differential. This team looks good. As for the Ravens, 4-2, they're coming off of a big win last week. They're um, at the top of the AFC North, and they also have a plus 42 Point differential should be an interesting matchup i do say lamar jackson versus uh jared goff i mean the lions this is this could be their season all right if i'm being honest the lines have looked so good this season even if jameer gibbs is hurt even if david montgomery's hurt they still find a way to get it done amon ross st brown tearing it up a top 10 maybe even top five at this point fantasy football wide receiver in the league in general he's a super talented wide receiver he's been getting it done sam laporta one of the most incredible tight ends. I'm so glad that I snagged him in multiple leagues. It's just been an incredible season for the Lions. As for the Ravens, I just feel like they just continue to disappoint, and I think they're going to disappoint in this one. I got the Lions winning this one. I, I just think they cannot finish well. They just cannot finish well. And they're 4-2, and two, and in both those games, they choked it at the end. So we're going with the Lions. An intro, oh, man, a divisional one here. The Bills visit the Patriots. Oh, man, I have no idea how this one's going to go. I have no idea. Bills, 4-2, second in the AFC East. I mean, they have an incredible, they've only given up 89 points this season, scored 173, coming off of a win over the Giants. But, man, Patriots, 72 points for 152 points against. This is the worst offense in the league. I stand corrected to when I said it was, um, who would I say it was earlier? I think, um... Was it an NFC team that only had, yeah, the Giants have 71. Oh, the Giants are actually worse by a point. So the Patriots are the second worst team offensively in the league. They've also given up 152 points defensively on a three-game losing streak. And, you know, even if uh, even if they show signs of hope, I just cannot pick them over the Bills. But you know, I'd compare this to that Commanders-Giants game where these divisional games, they always seem to have some more implications than it would seem so. We'll see. Uh, Hunter Henry definitely going on my bench this week. He has done nothing. Disappointed me over and over again. Cardinals and Seahawks. Wow, divisional matchups running crazy this week. That'll be going down in Seattle. The Cardinals, one in five. I mean, a uh, three-game losing streak. I mean, uh, as for the Seahawks, three and two. Not too shabby, a plus 18-point differential. Geno's been doing his thing. Uh, both of their losses to the Lions and to the... Er, did they beat the Lions? Who, who did the Seahawks lose to? Now that I'm now that I'm reminiscing over who they played last. I know they lost to the Bengals last week. They beat the Giants. The Seahawks beat... They beat the Panthers. Seahawks also... Gosh, who did they play in week two... The, I just cannot find who they played in week two. They played the Lions. They lost the Lions. So, oh, they lost the Lions. Oh, so I, no, they beat the Lions. So they lost in week one. Seahawks lost in week one to the Rams. Okay. We found it. Their losses are to the Rams and to the Bengals. So not too bad of a teams to uh, lose to. 
Uh, I will say that the Cardinals are pretty freaking bad this year, and the Seahawks are playing decently, so we're going to go with the Seahawks. I don't think I have anyone in fantasy in that game. I wish I had Kenneth Walker. That guy's a beast. Steelers and Rams keep us rolling as we head down over to Los Angeles. Man, the Steelers. But honestly, not too, not too bad this year. I mean, they're sitting at a decent three and two. They have uh, only scored seventy nine points, so not a really, not a really good offense. I mean, they have the worst offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, in the freaking league. But I mean, Kenny Pickett tries his best. I mean, who's their running back now? Warren, Najee, who even plays? Um, Deontay Johnson, uh, George Pickens, they do their things. And, of course, they have the best defensive player, T.J. Watts, or one of the best, if not the best, in the league. And their opponents, the Rams, just have upgraded with this Cooper Cup. I mean, coming back from injury, Cooper Cup already proven that he is still one of the best, if not the best, wide receivers in the league. Rams are 3-3 three and three coming off a win last week with a plus 21-point differential. You know we're riding with the Rams in this one. I got Puka in some leagues. I got Cooper Cup in some leagues. I think I got, I mean, Kyrene Williams is out this week, so I have, like, their backup, which is, like, Zach Evans or something. So we share the same name. You know I got to ride for him. And, um, yeah, we're going with the Rams over the Steelers. Ooh, and now they're just the divisional games going crazy this week as we have the Chargers taking on the Chiefs. It do not get any better than that. This is going to be an absolute barn burner. Chiefs are 5-1. and one. I mean, they've only given up 88 points. This defense is amazing. After dropping the first week uh, to the Lions, they've been on a five-game win streak. Patrick Mahomes does his thing. I got him in fantasy. Travis Kelsey does his thing. I got him. Uh, voice crack. And... Um, Gosh, I mean, Isaiah Pacheco, I also have. He's been doing his thing. Um, Chargers, though, three and two, two and three, third in the AFC West, coming off of a loss to the Cowboys. They are plus three, though, and points four to points against. This is a very efficient team, and I will need a big game from Justin Herbert, without a doubt. We are going to be rooting for Justin Herbert in this one. The uh, loss of Mike Evans, super sad to me. He had that amazing game and got hurt ending his season. But, I mean, Keenan Allen does his thing, Joshua Palmer does his thing, and Gerald Everett does his thing. So, this Chargers team and this Chiefs team should provide a good game. But, I'm sorry, I cannot bet against the Chiefs, man. The, the NFL loves the Chiefs. And, you know, uh, my odds of picking the Chiefs to win are greater than my odds of picking the Chargers to win. But, yet again, another divisional matchup. Anything can happen. Rounding out our 3.30 games, we have the Packers visiting the Broncos. Oh, my gosh. A disaster matchup. A disaster matchup for me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, where do we begin? Where do we begin with these teams? All right, Broncos, 1-5. and five. They are the only team this season, the only team out of the 32 teams in the NFL, to, by week seven, have already given up 200 points to their opponents. Holy cow. On a two-game losing streak, they've scored 129 points. Their only wins over the Bears. I mean, this Broncos team is just terrible. Russell Wilson hasn't been able to do much. Um, I actually do need, um, was it J McLaughlin, their backup running back, to do well? He's somehow my starting running back in one of my leagues. Just I'll have no, I have no running backs in that league. Let me actually read you my team in my uh, Cato boys, my uh, Mankato friends league we got down here. I mean, I have, what, what is his name? Jaleel McLaughlin, as I mentioned, Zach Evans. We got Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup, Sam Laporta, Mike Evans, Sam Frandi, uh, Jason Myers is in as my kicker this week, and we have Justin Herbert. But I mean, my backup running backs, 
I mean, Chubba Hubbard and Miles Sanders, who's ever healthy, and Damian Pierce. It's just terrible. Terrible to be a uh, player on my team in that league. But, you know, we're like 3-3, three and three, so not too bad. As for the matchup here, I mean, Packers coming off of a bye. It'll be interesting to see how they perform. They are currently second in the FC North. They're 2-3, and three, dead even point differential at 0, 113 scored and given up. They are on a two-game losing streak, though. So after starting 2-1, and one, they've dropped their last two. But I think they, um, oh, you know what, I got to give it to them. I'm sorry, you know, the Packers, I just, I got to give them this game. I think Jordan Love comes out swinging, does his thing. Um, but there's just no way that <laughs> they don't get it done. But I do root for the Broncos. I'll be rooting for the Broncos divisionally before the pick em. I'll always have the Packers as the team to pick. Let's get into this Monday night football game because it is on oh, Monday night. No, we forgot about Sunday night, I should say. Sunday night football is even better than Monday night football. And my Vikings play on Monday night as the Sunday night football game is between the top team in the AFC and the top team in the NFC or tied for first, I should say, as the Dolphins visit the Eagles. This is going to be an insane matchup. The Eagles, 5-1. and one. They have a plus 31-point differential. They got upset last week. All right, plain as can be. They got upset. And um, I know the Jets uh, definitely surprised them in that one. But Jalen Hurts has been performing insane. DeAndre Swift having a career rebirth. Devontae Smith. A.J. Brown. I mean, who else do we got over here? Do you have Zachuis or whatever? Ochanelis, Zaduis, whatever. I mean, you got um. Who's the oh? What's the what's the tight end's name? What is the tight end's name? Uh, Dallas Goddard. I mean, this team is insane. The defense, Darius Slay is just crazy. This Eagles team looking to make it back to the Super Bowl and get some revenge, but they got to play the number one offense in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, on a two-game win streak. Their only losses to the Bills. They're five and one. 223 points for absolutely crazy they've only they've given up 156 obviously the defense isn't what it is but this offense i mean to a tug of iloa have an insane year as qb okay you got tyree kill all right the number one wide receiver in the league currently according to fantasy football he's the number one wide receiver in the league you got Jalen waddle you got braxton barrios i mean you got mike gasecki at tight end my good, actually, you know, Mike's on the, um, Mike Kosicki was traded to the, the the Patriots. Who is their tight end? I don't know. They don't, Smithy. I think it's Smithy or something. But I mean, um, and who am I thinking? If you got Devin Achani and Raheem Mostert, when they're both healthy, that's your best. You also got Jeff Olson Jr. I mean, the running back room is incredible. You have Tyreek Hill and Tua. That's just unfair. This Dolphins offense is insane. And that's right. My, uh, I'm going to say it's an upset pick. Dolphins over the Eagles this week. You know, Eagles are at home. They certainly should be favorited in this game, but we will be going with the Dolphins here. I just like this Dolphins team. I like Tuitaga Vailoa. I like um, Tyreek Hill. I like Raheem Mostert. And, you know, I'm going to need Raheem to do his thing. All right, I'm going to need Raheem to do his thing. But in my family league, guys, you know, I have Patrick Mahomes. He's currently the number four QB starting. But I could potentially start Tuitaga Vailoa, who's the number three QB. So I don't know what a more favorable matchup is. Philly for Tua. Or Patrick Mahomes with the Chargers. I personally think both of them are good matchups, but I'm probably going to keep in Mahomes just because I know for a fact the Chargers secondary is trash. But I'll have to make that decision when the time comes. But yeah, we got Raheem Mostert in multiple leagues. So, you know, I'll be rooting for him. And I got Tyree Kill in the league. Love that, man. So, Dolphins over Eagles. 
the Monday Night Football game, the big shebang to end out week seven. We got a huge one, guys. The 49ers take on my Minnesota Vikings. Oh, man, I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to do it, but the Vikings are going to beat the 49ers. That's right. Without Justin Jefferson, we're going to do it. Just by sheer luck, guys. Just by sheer luck. Let me tell you something. Vikings, having a tough year. All right? It's obviously not ideal. All right? I'll say it. Okay? We are sadly 2-4. and four. All right? Only minus 6 point differential. I'll just say that's not too bad. Uh, all of our losses, some tough losses. I mean, obviously, we, uh, we lost the Chargers. Heartbreaking loss. Um, who else have we lost to? I can't even can't even think back to the beginning of the season, for goodness sakes. Um, who the frick have we played? Obviously, we played the Eagles. I mean, honestly, probably could have done better in that game. Um, who else have we played? Uh, I can't even remember, and it doesn't even matter because we're 2-4, and four, and I just... Actually, who have we played? No, no, no. Week 1, week one who did we lose to? Week 1, we came out. We lost to the Bucks. That one hurt. That Bucks game hurt. Okay, I won't lie. That Bucks game was unfair. That game didn't count. All right, I don't know what happened in that game. Now, week two, Vikings did unfortunately um, lose to the Eagles on Thursday Night Football. That was a tough one. Then we lost the Chargers, so we were 0-3. Then we beat the Panthers. Then we lost the Chiefs. All right, so we've had a tough schedule. I forgot about that Chiefs game. I'm just forgetting about these games. All right, season's flying by. But um, Vikings, we can do it. All right, Alexander Madison, don't sleep on him. He's having a big game this week. Jordan Addison, all right, he's going off. K.J. Osborne, you got Brandon Powell back there. T.J. Hawkinson, right? The boys can do this. We got, we got Daniel Hunter on D. I mean, you, our defense is ready, okay? Now, I won't lie. I am starting the 49ers defense this week in one of my leagues as they are uh, probably going to do some nasty things to the Vikings. They've only given up 87 points this whole season. 49ers have scored 184 they are just like the Eagles, man. 5-0 and got upset last week. But, I mean, they have a plus 97-point differential. This 49ers team is good. Brock Purdy looks to rebound this week. Who knows if Debo will play? Who knows if Christian McCaffrey will play? He'll still have Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. This team is loaded, but i got to pick the Vikings, man, every week. Every week we pick the, pick the Vikings, okay? Because I'd rather not pick them. I'd rather pick them and get it wrong than not pick them. Because then I'd be like, okay, my team won, but I didn't pick them. So does it really count? No, you got to pick the team you want to win. So we're going with the Minnesota Vikings. That's probably my upset of the week, actually. Okay, so, um, yeah, it, it is. Honestly, it's that'd be a bigger win than Dolphins over Eagles, without a doubt. Let's recap everything. We got Jaguars over Saints. We got Buccaneers over Falcons. Raiders over the Bears. Browns over the Colts. Commanders over the Giants. Lions over the Ravens. Bills over the Patriots. Seahawks over the Cardinals. Rams over the Steelers. Chiefs over the Chargers. Packers over the Broncos, hate to say that. Dolphins over Eagles and Vikings over 49ers. My upset of the week, because I just I cannot see a world where it happens, would be the Bills um, losing to the Patriots. That's the only upset that I could see happening that I could not predict. Because honestly, I could see the Saints beating the Jags tonight. I could see Falcons winning. I could see Bears winning. I could see Colts all the way down. Just I could not see the this Patriots team beating this Bills team. So I'll say if that happens... That would be insane, but it's, I'm definitely not picking it. Without a doubt, I'm not picking that. But we'll see what happens. Current score, actually, as we're checking in, Jaguars are up 14-3, to and Travis Etienne has 17.5 fantasy points. I'm starting to notice Calvin Ridley doesn't have a catch, though. That makes me very sad. But 
that's none of our worries now. That's none of our worries at all. As let's get into what I've been waiting all week. You know, this might not be that long of an episode. We'll see how long it takes me to get through this. Because there's no surprise topic today. The only surprise thing I got for you is UFC 294. I'm absolutely buzzing over this pay-per-view. When they put events in October, my favorite month of the year, by the way, my birthday month, we get Halloween, the, the fall's coming along, classes are usually good. Historically, my last two years in college, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really say my uh, freshman year, but my junior, my sophomore and junior year, as of so far, I've had my best classes, currently, as we're speaking. So I'm super pumped to see um, what's to come from future Octobers, but I know this October has been good. It's going to be good. And we got UFC 294, which makes it so unbelievably good. The UFC returns to Abu Dhabi, the United Arab Emirates. I mean, just an absolute banger card now. I will say the weigh-ins are tomorrow. The weigh-ins are tomorrow. Some of these fights could be canceled. As of right now, we have a beautiful, what is it, 12 fights? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 13 fights won't tickle me. I'm spoiled. I am clearly a spoiled only child getting 13 fights. If I'm not mistaken, the main card uh, kicks off at 1. Early prelims kick off at 9, which would leave the main prelims kicking off at 10. 30 maybe? I have no idea. Who knows how long it'll take them to get through all these fights, but I know I will be watching every single one of them. I'm going to wake up early, maybe have a couple cold ones, and enjoy some UFC. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. All right, we got 13 fights, and we kick off in the middleweight division with one of the biggest prospects the UFC has seen in a while as Shara Bullet Magomedov takes on Bruno Blindado Silva. That's right, Shara Magomedov. If no one's seen this guy, he has like one eye. He's an absolute killer. He's a menace. He's just, he is just chaos. He's just chaos. That's all I can say from what I've seen, by the way. Tell the tape for you. Shara Magomedov, 11 and 0. Bruno, 23 and 9. Uh, this is not Bruno's first time in the UFC. We'll get to him in a minute. Shara is six foot two to Bruno's six foot, and uh, but Bruno does have a one inch reach, seventy four to seventy three. Both fighters are orthodox. Shara is twenty nine years old. Bruno is thirty four years old. Let's th- let me just tell you about Shara real quick. All right, twenty nine years old, eleven and zero. Ten of those fights are knockouts. All right, that's insane. Over ninety percent of his wins are by knockout. All but one. All but one of his wins are by knockout. And that one other was a decision win. I mean, this guy is crazy in Sambo. I mean, kickboxing. I mean, jujitsu. You name it. Shara Magomedov loves to fight. And I cannot wait to see the bullet uh, debut in the UFC. As for Bruno, I mean, oh, by the way, Shara from Moscow, Russia, I should say. If you couldn't tell from his last name, Russian fighters tend to do well in Abu Dhabi. Bruno Silva, though, from Parana, Brazil, he is a... Very uh, very notable fighter. I mean, fought in the UFC since 2021. He's gone a stellar 4-3, and three, nothing too impressive. Only been the distance one th- once, though. Okay, he usually finishes within the distance. And, um, you know, let me, just, let me just tell you. First off, he debuts three straight knockouts, both two of them in round one, two performance bonuses. Then he runs into Alex Pereira. That's right, the former um, welterweight, um, no, middleweight champion, Alex Pereira at 185, currently fighting for the 205 belt in November. After that, gets shockingly submitted by Gerald Mearshart. Bounces back earlier this year by knocking out Brad Tavares in three and a half minutes. 
but last time out against Brendan Allen, he got submitted in round one. That was back in June. I will say Brendan Allen is the number nine middleweight in the world, so, I mean, he's super good. But still, tough luck for Bruno Silva, and you lose like that, you get fed to the absolute killer that is Shara Magomedov. But I do say one thing that I got to give Bruno Silva credit for is of his 23 wins, 20 are by knockout. Just incredible. 20 of his 23 wins are by knockout. The other three by decision. And uh, without a doubt, without a doubt, I mean, if you want to theorize who I'm going to pick in this fight, I mean, you you could guess. You could say, oh, maybe he's going to pick um, Bruno Silva with the upset. No, we are going with Shara Mago Medoff. And it's tough to say how he'll do. You know, this, this being his debut, he may have some jitters, but I'm going to go round one sub. I'm going to go round one submission just because, you know, all he's had are knockouts. Maybe he won't be expecting a submission, but um, or Bruno might not be, but we're going to go with a round one submission for Shara Magomedov. I cannot wait to watch him debut. Okay, just his, he has such a menacing look. You guys have to look up who Shara Magomedov is. If we ever get into a live podcast or just like where I can record myself and I'm, and I'm able to flash like pictures on screen or something, this would have been a great opportunity to flash Shara Magomedov, but we'll keep it rolling as we got another Russian fighter. Just incredible. We have Victoria Dudikova taking on Jin Yu Frey. Oh my goodness. This one goes down the woman's straw weight division. Victoria Dudikova 7-0 undefeated takes on 11-9 Jin Yu Frey. Ugh. Victoria is a uh, five foot five compared to five foot three for Jin, and uh, she also has two inches in reach, sixty seven to sixty five. Uh, Victoria fights orthodox. Uh, Jin Yu fights southpaw. Jin Yu Frey from Arlington, Texas, thirty eight years old, of her eleven victories, one by knockout, two by submission. Been in the UFC since twenty twenty. She's gone ooh two and five in that time. Uh, she's on a three fight losing streak. Actually got knocked out back in November of twenty twenty two. And lost in June this year by decision to Elise Reed. Her two wins are over Gloria De Paula and Ashley Yoder. Not much from Jin Frey, I'll say that. Not much to take note of. But as for her opponent, Victoria Dudikova, oh, there's a lot to take note of. Victoria, only 24 years old of her seven victories, two by knockout, four by submission. Actually fought on season six, episode six of Dana White's Contender Series. She picked up a unanimous decision victory over Maria Silva. She then debuted earlier this year in July, earning a 30-second uh, stoppage of his against Estela Nunes. I believe Estela Nunes got injured in that fight. And if I can remember correctly, I think she hurt. Um, she threw a kick or something. Did she break her elbow? She broke her ankle. Estela Nunes got hurt. Counts as a knockout for Victoria Dudikova, though, as she will um, take on Jing Frey here. And look, without a doubt. All right. Clearly, this is going to be a competitive, competitive fight. But, uh, you know, I got to pick Victoria Dudikova. I mean, it just, it'd be rude not to. It'd be rude not to pick Victoria Dudikova. And just because it's, we're in Abu Dhabi, they're Russians. We're going to go with a round, um, we'll go round two sub. Round two submission for Victoria Dudikova. Really hope she can get it done, especially in a somewhat home crowd. But Jing Yufrey just shows me nothing. And I mean, you're 11 and 9. You, you, and so far in the UFC, you haven't even had a finish. You've actually been finished twice. And in her whole career of 20 professional fights, she's only ever gotten three finishes. So not not seen much from Jin Frey. 
Uh, from what I saw, Victoria Dudakova, I like. So we're going to go with Victoria Dudakova. I love it. I love it. The early prelims keep rolling as we head to the featherweight division between two up-and-comers who could be entering the rankings with a win here as Nathaniel the Prospect Wood takes on Muhammad Hillman Namath. By the way, whenever I do like a dramatic pause, that's me reading their nickname. You know, if I have to clarify that for everyone. Um, uh, Nathaniel Wood, 20-5. and five. Muhammad Namath, 9-2. and two. Muhammad has a three-inch uh, height advantage, 5'9 to 5'6, and one-inch reach, 70 to 69. Both fighters fight orthodox, and um, uh, both fighters are—actually, Nathaniel's 30 at the moment, and Muhammad is 29. It's very similar in age. Um, I keep forgetting to clarify, but um, Jingyu Frey was from Arlington, Texas, and Victoria Dukova was from Volograd, Russia. You know, I keep forgetting to mention where they're from, just in case you want to know. So two, uh, two Russian fighters so far, but uh, Nathaniel Wood is actually from London, England. That's right, notable of London, England. And as for Mohammed Naimov, he's actually from Tajikistan, but actually trains out of Colorado, lives in Colorado. And um, he actually trains at a uh, fight team elevation with um, Curtis Blades and Corey Sanhagen. Um, if no one knows Corey Sanhagen, currently the number four bantamweight in the world. Curtis Blades currently the number five heavyweight in the world. Those guys are really good. So I just thought that was kind of kind of interesting. An interesting note is that he trains with some very talented people. Mohamed Naimov coming off a win over Jamie Malarkey. Um, actually knocked him out in um, June. After uh, So he had been on the Contender Series on Season 4 back in 2020. Lost on there. Didn't get a contract. Since then, picked up three wins in other promotions. Came back to the UFC. Knocked out Jamie Malarkey in Round 2 earlier this year. Got a performance bonus for that. And now he takes on Nathaniel Wood. Muhammad Naimov. What a guy. And of his nine victories, he's 9-2 professionally, I'll say. He has four KOs and two. Uh, no, he has four KOs and three subs. So seven of his nine victories are by stoppage. His opponent, Nathaniel Wood, I mean, 20 and five, by the way, seven knockouts, six submissions for Nathaniel. He also likes to get it done. Um, currently on a three-fight win streak. Last beat Andre Feely, um, July of 2023 in London. And Nathaniel's been doing it since 2018, was originally fighting at bantamweight, decided to move up to featherweight after going on a little one-and-two stretch in 2020. But he has um, beaten Johnny Eduardo in the UFC, had got him with a dart stroke, submitted Andre Ewell, took John Costanda to a decision, lost an unfair fight of the night decision to Casey Kenny. But on his little run here, he's beaten Charles Rosa, he's beaten Charles Jodane, and Andre Feely. So you know Nathaniel Wood is coming to bring it. And I do have to say, um, I remember last time we were here, we had a, um, a Russian. Actually, this was in 2021. We had a London fighter, Leron Murphy, knock out Makwan Americani in round two. So in that fashion, I'm sorry, Mohamed Naimov, but I am going to go with Nathaniel Wood. You know, he's just on an incredible run. He could have fought in the rankings by now. But uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and we'll say unanimous decision. Should be a good fight, though. I mean, I'm certainly torn on it, but they, these fighters both look good. Historically, fighters that uh, end in the last name V do better in Abu Dhabi. Just an insane fact for you. Thank you to Hey Jive Picks for that fact. 
Um, but yeah, Nathaniel Wood, I think he can do it against Muhammad Naimov. We'll see, though. We'll see, though. If he loses, I would not be surprised at all. And I'll tell you who I would be very surprised if he lost is our next matchup between Mike Money Breeden and Anshul King of Lions Jubilee. I freaking love his name. Oh, my gosh. Anshul Jubilee is from India, 28 years old, undefeated, 7-0, two knockouts, one submission. Anshul Jubilee is a monster. Mike Breeden from Kansas, United States, 34 years old of his, what's Mike Breeden? 10 and 6 of those 10 victories, 8 are by knockout. Anshul is 6 foot, Mike Breeden 5'10", 7 inches in reach for Mike, 69 for Anshul. Uh, Anshul fights switch stance, Mike fights orthodox. And um, Anshul, 28 years old, Mike Breeden 34, as I mentioned. Anshul Jubilee actually won on the road to the UFC, season 1, episode 6, last year in October. So just a year ago, actually. Um, picked up a split decision win in that one, then debuted earlier this year, got a round two TKO of Jeka Saragai in February, and now he's fighting in Abu Dhabi. You know, he was able to get a contract. Oh, by the way, Road to UFC is this, like, international promotion they did with, like, Asian countries to find new fighters, just in, um, just in case anyone was curious. And um, actually, you know, we're actually going to pause the podcast right now as my dad in our family league, just decided to drop Sam Laporta for McQuise Brown, you know, and I understand he doesn't know a lot of what he's doing, but I am going to uh, snag him up before anyone else can get Sam Laporta on my team, the number two tight end in the league. I feel bad that he doesn't know what he's doing. I, I really do, but I just, I cannot let the, I cannot let him get away with this. I cannot. Sam Laporta, get on my team. Claim for Sam Laporta has been submitted. Okay, so I might not even get him. Back to UFC stuff. Just thought that was a hilarious note to add on there. Um, Mike Breeden, the man who Anshul will be taking on, is actually 0-3 in the UFC. This guy actually lost on Season 4 of Dana White's Contender Series. Um, managed to find his man to the UFC in October of 2021. Got knocked out in a minute by Alexander Hernandez, then lost the decision to Nathan Levy, and earlier this year in August, got finished in a minute and 25 seconds by Terrence McKinney. Terrence McKinney, absolute killer, by the way. So a four-fight losing streak. All right, Mike Breeden, getting up there in age. He's 34. He's being fed to Anshul Jubilee. So you know we're going to go Anshul Jubilee by round... Actually, we're going to go round one, TKO. Hit him with some punches, low ground and pound. Yeah, I have no faith in Mike Breeden. No offense, Mike. You know, you're from Kansas. I had a professor last semester who was from Kansas. So, um, But, yeah, you're on a terrible run. I mean, my goodness. 0-4, you're yet to even win in the UFC. If he loses, he'll definitely be cut, by the way. So make or break it for Mike. And this could be a coming out for an actual jubilee in his UFC career. Keeping us rolling on these prelims, we have a middleweight matchup between Abu Azatir and Cedric Dumas. Abu, Captain Morocco, Azatir, and Cedric as the Reaper. Dumas, ooh. Abu Azatir is 14-3 and three and 1. One draw. Cedric is 8-1. and one. Wow, a notable 5 inches in height for Cedric Dumas, 6'2 to 5'9. And three inches in reach, 79 to 76. Both fighters fight orthodox. Cedric from Pensacola, Florida is 28 years old. Abu Azatir is from Cologne, Germany. Seven KOs and one sub for the uh, 30. 30 wow, Abu Azatir is 37 years old. He has uh, finished eight of his 14 fights. That's where Cedric Dumas finished six of his eight wins. 
Cedric, man, you know, he won in the Contender Series back in uh, last year, Episode 6, Season 6. Oh, same as Victoria Dudikovo. Uh, submitted Mattel Panaz in 47 seconds with a guillotine choke. And then in his UFC debut against Josh Fram, got finished with a guillotine choke in round two. I find that pretty funny. Actually picked a win over Cody Brundage earlier this year in June. A terrible fight. He managed to get 11 minutes and 8 seconds of control time while never getting a takedown. He was actually taken down twice by Cody, which was then reversed. And then he got back on top. So just... It's not, not the most impressive career. 8-1. Um, we'll see what he can do. But he's taking on Abu Hezatir. 37 years old. Last fought in the UFC in March of 2021. Got finished in round three by Marc-Andre Balriult. And before that, had fought in 2018 against Vitor Miranda. So Abu Hezatir has not been active in the slightest. He's 37 years old. I think that's going to hurt him. We're going to go with Cedric Dumas by round one knockout. And, you know, this is just stemming from inactivity and age when it comes to Abu Ezzetir. That's for Cedric Dumas, a perfect opportunity here. The matchmaking is amazing, and I think the Reaper's coming to reap himself his ninth professional victory. You guys like that? You guys like that? Cedric Dumas over Abu Ezzetir in the middleweight division. Then we move on to bantamweight between two killers. Ooh, this is going to be a fun one without a doubt. Future top 15 fighter here as Javid the Snow Leopard Basharat takes on Victor Lamangosta Henry. Oh my goodness. Javid Basharat 14 and oh, ladies and gentlemen, undefeated. Victor Henry 23 and 6. Five foot nine to five foot seven in favor of Javid, sixty nine inch reach compared to sixty eight for Javid Basharat. An orthodox stance for Javid and a switch stance for Victor Henry. Javid is twenty eight years old. Victor Henry, thirty six years old. Javid is actually from Afghanistan, but trains in London, and also um actually he lives in London. He actually trains in when he's in the United States at Extreme Couture, which is the same gym as Chris Curtis and current middleweight champion Sean Strickland. So Javid Basharat gets around. As for Victor Henry, he's from Los Angeles, California. Victor, ladies and gentlemen, three fights in the UFC. He's gone two and one in them. Wins over Rahoni Barcelos and Tony Gravely. Lost to Rafael Asuncao. He actually beat Tony Gravely in March of uh, this year, March 11th. Um, picked up 154 significant strikes over him. Pretty impressive stuff. But he's taking on Javid Basharat. And, you know, Victor Henry, he's got six KOs and eight subs. I mean, Javid Basharat, of his 14 professional fights, have won five by knockout and six by sub. Currently 3-0 in the UFC. He actually won on Dana White's Contender Series back in uh, uh, Season 5, Episode 9. Picked up a guillotine choke over Oran Kalan. He's since beaten Trevin Jones, Tony Gravely, and Matus Mendonca by decision in the UFC. He fought on the opening card of uh, 2023 back on January 14th, 2023. So it's been a while since he last fought. Victor Henry also fought in March. So these guys haven't fought since the early stages of the year. Obviously, these guys are decision fighters, so we're going to go with Javid Basharat by decision. But I recognize his name. He actually has a brother a brother who fights in the UFC, and uh, I don't doubt that Javid Basharat can move his way up the bantamweight rankings. He's super impressive. I love this fighter. Moving on to our second-to-last prelim. How about that? We're almost through the prelims. We have Mohammed the UAE warrior, Yaya. Taking on Trevor Peak. Oh, this one's going to be nasty, folks. This one's going to be nasty. Muhammad Yahya is 12-3, and three, currently on a five-fight five, 
fight win streak. He's fighting Trevor Peak, who unfortunately lost his first ever professional fight his last time out, but it was a absolute barn burner. Both fighters are five foot nine, three inches in reach for Muhammad, seven foot three to seven, seven foot three, seventy-three inch reach to seventy inch reach in favor of Muhammad. Both fighters fight a switch stance. Muhammad is twenty-nine, Trevor is twenty-eight. Actually, of his eight professional victories, Trevor has eight KOs, so 100% finish rate. As for Mohamed Yaya, of his 12 victories, seven by knockout, two by sub. Trevor Peak has had uh, two fights in the UFC. He actually won on the Contender Series last year. Season 6, Episode 8, got a round 2 TKO over Malik Lewis. Then debuted with a round 1 knockout of Eric Gonzalez, but unfortunately lost last time out in June when he lost to Chepe Mariscal by unanimous decision. But that was an insane fight. Should have been fight of the night, in my opinion. So uh, this guy can really, really take to you. That's from Muhammad Yaya. I mean, you know, Trevor Peak is from Alabama, you know, but Muhammad Yaya from the United Emirates. I mean, that's literally his nickname. It's in his name. All signs port towards him winning, but I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I mean, unless he takes down Trevor Peak, Trevor Peak is catching him, and he's going out. That's right. We're going to go. With it. This is kind of an upset pick, if I'm being honest. This is my upset pick. Trevor Peak by round two knockout. That is right. That's my upset pick of the evening. I'm aware that Muhammad Yaya should probably be favored in this, but something's telling me to go with Trevor Peak, the Alabama native. You know, he's basically like, um, who's the featherweight? Oh my gosh, Bryce Mitchell, current top 10 featherweight. I mean, they're both country boys, they love to praise God. Hate Democrats. I mean, that's what he does. And he's coming over to the Abu Dhabi and getting it done. But Muhammad Yaya, man, really makes me want to pick him. He looks super talented. And just like that, we're on to our final prelim of the event. That's right, the final prelim. And it's an absolute banger. This could easily have been on the main card. As number 11-ranked Muhammad Mokayev takes on number 10-ranked Tim Elliott in the men's flyweight division. Muhammad Mokayev, nickname is The Punisher, and that's what he's done so far in his professional career as he is 10-0 with one no contest. Tim Elliott, 20-12-1, been in the UFC for quite some time. Both fighters are 5'7", 4 inches in reach, though, for Muhammad, 70-66. to He fights orthodox. Tim Elliott fights southpaw. Muhammad, born July 30th. 2000. That's right. He's a 2000 boy like me. He is 23 years old. That's for Tim Elliott, 36 years old. Um, Tim Elliott, actually from Missouri of the United States. As for Muhammad Mokayev, he's from Dagestan, but currently lives in Manchester, where he trains. Manchester, England. Of uh, his 20 professional wins, Tim Elliott has three KOs and six subs. And of his 10 victories, Muhammad Mokayev has one knockout. Five submissions. And this has just been such a fight brewing to happen. I mean, Mohamed Mokayev has been calling out someone to fight him in the rankings for a while now. Since he debuted in 2022 with a minute submission of Cody Durden, he's since gone on to beat, I mean, Charles Johnson. He landed 12 takedowns on him. Oh, my gosh. Had almost 12 minutes of control time. Then submitted Malcolm Gordon in round three. Then submitted Hafel Filo in round three. Last time out in March. I mean, this guy's 4-0 in the UFC, 10-0 professionally. Three finishes in the UFC. He is looking incredible. His grappling's on another level, by the way. He, he just has some insane grappling. His opponent, though, Tim Elliott, UFC veteran for a long time. A little two-fight win streak now, aren't you, Tim? Been in the UFC since 2012. This is year 11 for him. 
I mean, he's just fought a who's who of people. I mean, he's, he fought John Dodson in his debut. I mean, he lost to Joseph Benavides. He actually, on a three-fight losing streak, managed to get a title shot against Demetrius Johnson, where he lost by unanimous decision. I mean, he beat Luis Moca, lost to Ben Wynn, beat Mark De La Rosa. He's lost to Devison Figueredo, Askar Askroff, Brandon Royval. But, you know, he's beaten Tagir Ulenbekov and Victor Alterimino. In his first, uh, in his last two fights, last time out in June, he picked up a unanimous decision victory. So it's been a, it's been a crazy wide, wide. It's been a crazy ride for uh, Tim Elliott. But man, I just cannot pick against Muhammad Mukayev. Let me just tell you that. All right, and he's picked up two round three subs. So you know we got to give it to him, Muhammad Mukayev. By what should we give him, guys? I'm gonna say round two sub, round two submission for Muhammad Mokaev. And after that, he'll move into the top 10 of the men's flyweight division. But he should be able to pass this test against Tim Elliott. And Tim is ready. Tim is ready to kill against him, by the way. Um, but we'll see what happens. Before we get in the main card, though, I'm going to take a quick break. But before that, we actually have UFC 296 bout order, currently announced by ESPN. I figured I'd save this until now. You know, we mentioned it earlier. But um, here's the current bout order for the card. By the way, there are an astounding 13 fights currently on it, which I hope can last. Obviously, in the main event, Leon Edwards and Colby Covington for the men's welterweight championship. Co-main, Alexander Pantoja versus Brandon Royval for the men's flyweight championship. Also on their top 10 welterweight matchup between Shavkat Rachmanov and Stephen Thompson. On the main card, also Tony Ferguson and Patty Pimblett. And another top 15 welterweight matchup between Vicente Luque and Ian Gary. This was all expected. On the prelims, though, the highlight prelim, Josh Emmett versus Giga Chikadze. I would expect that. Also on there, Cody Garbrandt, Brian Kelher, Alonzo Menfield, Dustin Jacoby. That's a top 15 light heavyweight matchup. And a, a ranked uh, heavyweight fight between Shamil Gazioff and Martin Boudet. On the early prelims, just as good, top 15, actually top 10. Women's bantamweight matchup between Irene Aldana and Carol Rosa. You also have two incredibly talented unranked welterweights, Randy Brown and Muslim Salikov. Tagir Olimbekov and Cody Durden, two incredible flyweights. Cody Durden actually on like a little four or five fight win streak. And then you have Casey O'Neill versus Ariana Lipsky um, also on that card. Going to be super good. It goes down um, September, or no, December 16th, if I can get my months put together in Las Vegas. That should be an incredible pay-per-view to end the year, but our focus will be on this pay-per-view when I come back to you just with a snap of my fingers. I'm talking Thanos snap to talk about this UFC 294 main card. And we're back just like that. I mean, it's crazy how fast I can just go from uh, doing my activity to being back on here. Isn't that something? But yeah, let's get it going. Five more fights. Let's not waste anyone's. Uh, let's not waste any more of anyone's time. Let's uh, let's talk over it as we go to the main card. We kick it off with a bantamweight matchup between Saeed Nurmagomedov and Muin Gafurov. Hmm. Interesting names here. Muin's nickname is Tajik, and that's probably because he's from Tajikistan. As for Saeed, he's from Makachalev, Russia. Um, Muin actually uh, lives in Virginia now, so if that isn't crazy. Or maybe he trains from there. I don't know. That's what they say about him. Saeed is 17-3. and three. Muin is also. Um, no, Muin is 18-5. and five. 
um, five foot eight, five foot seven in favor of Saeed, and a two inch reach advantage, seventy to sixty eight in favor of Saeed as well. Saeed fights orthodox. Muin is in the southpaw stance. Saeed Nurmagomedov, thirty one years old. Muin Gafurov, twenty seven years old. Of his seventeen victories, Saeed has four knockouts and five subs. Of his eighteen victories, Muin has ten knockouts and seven subs. Neither man has been finished in their professional careers. Muin Gafurov um, actually fought on season five of the Contender Series. He lost the decision to Chad Ann Hellinger. And earlier this year fought John Castanda in um, uh, June. He lost the decision there. But between that gap of 2021-2023, he did fight out of the promotion and was able to pick up some wins. But he is coming in here off of a loss, so hopefully he can rebound. Um, but uh, we'll see what Muin Gafurov can bring to the table. As for Saeed Nurmagomedov, been in the UFC since 2018. Got a pretty decent six and two in that run. Um, wins over Cody Stammen, uh, Sayukov Karakamov, Justin Scoggins, Ricardo Ramos. Um, his two losses are to Ryan Barcelos. And his last time out against Jonathan Martinez, a controversial loss, but it's aged pretty well as Jonathan Martinez is now the number 11 ranked men's bantamweight. Look, this is going to be a competitive fight. I just I can already tell it has all the makings for it. Plus, usually fights that open the main card usually are competitive fights. But I do have to say I am leaning towards Saeed Nurmagomedov catching the neck round one and getting a submission. That's right, Saeed Nurmagomedov with a round one submission. And you know what? I just think it's just going to come just right off the gate. You know, he's going to grab onto his neck, get a submission. And he actually did that against Cody Stamen, got a 47-second knockout. And he's also come out against Mark Striegel in October 2020 and got a 51-second knockout. So, so he can fight. Moeen will offer some challenges. But even if we look at the last names with V, it's a dead-even draw. So all we can really go off of is that I think Saeed Nurmagomedov won his last fight against Jonathan Martinez, should have been fighting up. Instead, he's fighting down, and I think he gets the victory in this one. Keeping us rolling, we head to the middleweight division where Ikram Alakasarov takes on Wal Ray Alves. This fight's unfortunate as Ikram Alakasarov was supposed to fight number, what's he ranked now? He's supposed to fight number 11 ranked Nazardine Imovov in the UFC middleweight division. Unfortunately, Nazardine pulled out of the fight and instead Wal Ray Alves steps in on short notice. So. Thank you to Walray for saving Ikram from not fighting, but sad that Ikram wasn't able to fight Nazardine Imovov. Ikram is an impressive 14-1. Walray Alves is 15-6. 6 foot to 5'11 in favor of Ikram for height. 76-72 reach in favor of Ikram. Southpaw stands for Ikram and San Orthodox for Walray Alves. Walray is 32 years old. Ikram is 30 of his uh, 14 professional fights, five knockouts and five subs for Ikram. As for Walray Alvarez, uh, four KOs and six subs of his 15 professional victories. Uh, Walray Alvarez, um, two-fight losing streak, unfortunately, in the UFC. Last fought January of uh, this year at UFC 283. Lost a split decision to Nicholas Dalby. But, I mean, th- I mean what's his face? Um, Walray's been in the UFC since 2014. I mean, he's been doing this a while. Notable wins. I mean, he actually was the first man to beat Colby Covington, submitted him in round one. Pretty incredible stuff. He actually won uh, the season, or what is it? He won, I think, season three of the Brazil. Uh, he won, like, season three of Brazil Ultimate Fighter, you know, something like that. So he's an Ultimate Fighter winner. Um, losses to Brian Barbarina and Kamru Usman back in 2016. 
Uh, he actually lost to James Krause in 2018, lost to Randy Brown in 2019. Last win was against Munir Lazez. He finished him with a head kick in 2021. So been a while since he last got a win, but Walray is back for revenge. His opponent, Ikram Alakasterov, currently on a six-fight winning streak. This guy's a killer. I mean, on the Contender Series, debuted last season, Season 6, Episode 8. Got a Kimura in two minutes over Mario Sosa. And in his UFC debut in May of this year at UFC 288, he knocked out Phil Hoscold in two minutes and ten seconds. This guy has only lost one fight in his career, and that fight was actually to Hamzat Chemaev in a different promotion. I find that absolutely crazy. Ikram Alakasarov is super good, and I think he continues it here and gets a round one knockout. Of Wall Ray Alves. That's right. Ikram Alakasarov by round one knockout is my pick. I just think he can do it. He did it against Phil Haas. He's done it f- five other times before. Ikram should have been fighting Nazanin Muvov in the similar situation to Saeed. They should have been fighting someone else. They're instead fighting down different circumstances, but we're going with Ikram Alakasarov. But best of luck to you, Wall Ray Alves. You know, you've been a legend of the game for a long time now. Let's get into our top three matchups of the evening. Kicking us off, we have a light heavyweight matchup between number two ranked light heavyweight Magomed Ankalaev and number seven ranked Johnny Walker. Love both these guys. I mean, no nicknames for them, but if I could, Johnny the Worm Walker and Magomed the Ankle Ankalaev. I don't know. Those sounded better in my head, honestly, but they're very talented. I'll say that for uh, for certain um, actually, my goodness, I forgot to mention Ikram Alakasarov from Mahakshalov, Russia, Walray Alvarez from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And uh, I only thought that again because Magomed Ankalaev is actually from Mahakshalov, Russia, and Johnny Walker is from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. So pretty interesting circumstances there. Magomed, though, 18-1-1. His only professional loss is to Paul Craig in his UFC debut, which he actually lost with a second left in the fight. Crazy circumstances there. His opponent, Johnny Walker. Also had multiple UFC fights before. He's 21-7, and seven, you know? Both of these guys are veterans of the fighting game. 6'6", uh, six six to 6'3", six three, three inches in height for Johnny Walker. And a notable 82 inches in reach for Johnny, 75 inches, so a 7-inch differential in favor of Johnny Walker. Both fighters fight orthodox, and both fighters were born in 1992, making them both 31 years of age. This should be a very competitive fight, without a doubt. Of his 21 victories, uh, Johnny Walker has 16 knockouts with three subs. So he's finished 19 of 21 fights. Uh, Magomed, of his 18 victories, nine by knockout, one by sub. Um, He's actually on a nine-fight winning streak, man. A ten-fight unbeaten streak. As for Johnny Walker, three-fight winning streak. um, Beat Ian Kudalaba in September 2022. This year, he knocked out Paul Craig in January. Then got a decision win over Anthony Smith in May. So he's been doing it a while. Been in the UFC since 2018. Won in the Dana White's Contender Series Brazil Season 1 back in 2018. Since then, I mean, he's beaten Khalil Roundtree. Beaten Misha Serkinov. He's also been beaten by Corey Henderson, Nikia Krylov. Knocked out Ryan Spann in round one. Been knocked out by Jamal Hill in round one. I mean, Johnny Walker, such an entertaining fighter. But he rides a three-fight win streak into this and a potential to move to the number two spot in the light heavyweight rankings. But that will be no easy task for him as Magomed Ankalaev. This guy's not lost since 2018. He was winning the fight against Paul Craig when he actually tapped with a second left in the fight. It is one of the craziest craziest things, one of the saddest things, but since then, he has not lost. He's knocked out Marcin Prachnio in round one. He's knocked out Dolce Luciambula in round three with a head kick. But, but by, by the way, front kicks, absolutely nasty. He's knocked out uh, Ian Kulaba in back-to-back fights. 
Decision wins over Nikia Krylov, Volkan Ozmir, Tiago Santos. He finished Anthony Smith in round two with some punches. His last time out, though, at UFC 282, he did lose a, or didn't lose, um, pardon me. He had a draw against Jan Blachowicz in an awkward fight where he was down three rounds and then proceeded to 10-8 Jan Blachowicz in two rounds straight. It was one of the wackiest fights. Scorecards were all over the place. Um, but man, wow, what a fight. What a fight that was. But now these two square off, and I will say this is going to be a very interesting fight. Um, both these guys like to strike. We've uh, seen recently that what I just learned from Jai Walker is that he can grapple. So this fight can take place out of many areas, but I'm going to go with a unanimous decision victory for Magomed Ankalaev. I just think his power will be a lot for Johnny Walker. And what happened when Johnny Walker fought a similar power puncher in Tiago Santos in a five-round fight is he was very hesitant, and that was actually the downfall of him. One big fight, one big punch from Tiago actually decided the fight. Um, as for the ground game, Magomed's grappling. He's got that Dagestani. I mean, he's from Ahachal of Russia. He's known for grappling like that. And I just think that will play a big difference. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I just feel Magomed Ankalaev can get this win here. It'll be competitive, without a doubt. It'll be very competitive, but uh, it should be entertaining. It should be very entertaining. And I'm, I'm a Magomed Ankalaev fan, I should say, so I will be rooting for him. But at the same time, I'm not a Johnny Walker hater. So if Johnny Walker does beat him, I won't be uh, I won't be angry, but I'll also be surprised because I do think Magomed sh is favored in this one. So Magomed Ankalaev by decision, my official prediction for UFC 294. And then we get into the two big ones. The reason that Dana White's going to take my hard-earned $80. I mean, I'm going broke, Dana. I just spent money on groceries and drinks today. I mean, I bought UFC 5, Dana. I pay for ESPN+. Plus. I, I can pay for Apple Music, Dana. I pay for a gym membership. Why don't you just take some more of my money every single month? But this one, guys, let's get it going. The co-main event between Kamaru Usman and Hamzat Chamayev. Kamaru Usman, the number one welterweight contender. Shavkat, the number four. But this fight is at middleweight as Shavkat was supposed to fight number six-ranked Paulo Costa in the middleweight division. Paulo had to pull out due to a nasty elbow injury. Instead, Kamru Usman steps in on short notice, takes on Hamzat Chemaev at middleweight, and it was said by Dana White that the winner gets the current middleweight champion, Sean Strickland, in his first title defense. I absolutely love it, and this is crazy. Kamru Usman actually holds a win over Sean Strickland back in Sean Strickland's welterweight days. Hamzat, as we know, fights at both weight classes. He's a beast. Let's get it going. Kamru the Nigerian nightmare from uh, from Nigeria lives in Florida now though Boca Raton to be specific um, Kam, Hamza Chmaev, uh Bors Hamza Bors Chmaev, uh from Chechnya Russia now actually fights out of uh, Dubai United Arab Emirates he's from Dubai now and yeah Hamzat all, all with the Abu Dhabi guys all with the Russian guys he's all about that life Hamzat 29 years old, Kamaru, 36 years old. Of his uh, 20 victories, Kamaru has nine knockouts and one sub, so only a 50% finish rate. As for Hamzat, of his 12 victories, 12 and 0, undefeated, by the way. Five knockouts, six subs. This guy has 11 of 12 finishes, an absolutely insane finishing rate, my goodness. We'll get into a couple of other stats in a second, but yeah. 20 and 3 for Usman, 12 and 0 for Hamzat, 6 foot 2 to 6 foot in favor of Hamzat, so 2 inches in height, 76 to 75 though in reach, 1 inch for Kamaru. Switch stance for Kamaru as Hamzat fights orthodox. This is very interesting when we break it down statistical wise as 
both these guys are grapplers. Both these guys can strike, but it's really more Hamzat who's the grappler. Hamzat has landed a takedown in almost all of his fights. Um, actually, and I think in as far as his UFC career, Hamzat has landed a takedown all but one fight, and that one fight was when he knocked out Gerald Mearshart in 17 seconds with one punch. So I will say he has that power. But when we look at the grappling, all right, Takedown accuracy doesn't really matter. It's the takedown defense. Hamzat never been taken down. Kamru's been taken down once, and that was two fights ago by Leon Edwards. He has a 97% takedown defense. This is also very notable. Average number of submissions per 15 minutes. Kamru is 0.1. Hamzat is 3.5. So every fight, he averages 3.5 takedowns. And I just want you to know that he's only ever been to round three once and to round two now two once. He's been to round two once. Actually, he's been around two twice. If you want to see it like that. He's been to, to the distance once, which was his fight against Gilbert Burns. And then in his UFC uh, debut, he went into round two. So this guy clearly loves to shoot for takedowns. Thumbs up's an absolute beast. Um, but yeah, this is going to be about who can defend the takedowns. And honestly, it's probably going to be Hamza shooting. So we'll see what Kamaru can do. But both of these guys got power. Hamza joined the UFC in 2020. Absolute tear. I mean, he actually fought two guys on back-to-back notice. He fought he fought John Phillips and Rise McKee 10 days apart, only got one significant strike, and through his first four UFC fights, only absorbed one significant strike. He's actually had four fights in the UFC where he hasn't even absorbed a significant strike. In the UFC, he's 6-0 professionally, as I said, 12-0, coming off of a crazy win over Kevin Holland. Back, though, in September of 2022, so it's been a while since he last fought. We'll see how that plays into effect. His opponent, Kamru Usman, legend of the game. I mean, Kamru's been doing this in the UFC since 2015. He actually is um, the second. He has the second longest winning streak in UFC history at 15 fights. He was going to tie uh, Anderson Silva before, of course, Leon Edwards knocked him out in round five last year. But um, that run included uh, winning the Ultimate Fighter, actually beating Leon Edwards. Beating Alexander Yakola, beating Walray Alvarez, beating Sean Strickland, beating Damian Maya, Rafael Dos Anjos, Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington twice, Corey Masvidal twice, Gilbert Burns. I mean, just an incredible run. Former welterweight champion, easily one of the top three greatest welterweights of all time, maybe even top two. He is on a two-fight losing streak, though. Leon Edwards got the best of him two fights in a row. He lost um, in March of this year. But that doesn't matter now, as now he takes on Hamza at 185. And I just got to say... You know, I think he survives round one, but I got to say, I think Hamzat gets to him in round two. Hamzat with a round two submission, rear naked chokehold, maybe a little Darce choke. I think Hamzat does it. I think Hamzat gets the best of him and uh, takes his spot in the round. Yeah, I mean, this is at middleweight. Would he take his welterweight spot? I think he would, but I mean, I I just, I favor, I favor Hamzat in this one. I don't know the betting odds at the moment, but I will be going with Hamzat Shemaev by round two two submission I guess an upset I guess it would be considered an upset just because of how good Kamaru is but Kamaru Usman could this is a make or break fight for a man this is a huge risk taking this fight on short notice but big big risk big reward you know for both men for both men but I will say Kamaru is putting himself in more of a position than Hamzat is for this one but We'll see how it turns out, but Hamza Chamayev, round two submission, my prediction. And then we get into the main event, ladies and gentlemen, the big kebab. Whew. Potentially, honestly, honestly, do we dare say this? This could be the biggest fight of the year, my goodness, as the current number two and number three pound-for-pound fighters in the world fight off. 
Your current lightweight champion, Islam Makachev. Your current featherweight champion, Alexander Volkanovsky. Rematch for the second time this year. Volk going for double champ status. This is crazy. Islam Makachev. Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. These two are absolute legends. Let me just hit you with this cool stat. Islam is currently on a 12-fight winning streak and is currently the longest active streak in the company. He also is um, his 11-fight winning streak at lightweight is also the longest currently in the company, and the longest ever was Khabib and Tony Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov. By the way, two lightweight legends. Um, they had 12 wins. So if Islam wins this, he'll be tied for first in the long for the longest lightweight winning streak of all time. 12 fights currently, though, in the company. He's the top guy. He's the guy you don't want to mess with. But, man, Volk wants to mess with him. Alexander Volkanovsky taking this on short notice. Islam was actually supposed to rematch Charles Oliveira, the currently number one ranked uh, lightweight contender who he actually beat last October. But that fight fell through due to a cut, by, um, uh, cut during training for um, Oliveira, which was very nasty. Kind of glad he pulled out. But um, now we get this rematch. Obviously, this card is way better with the pullouts of Paulo Costa and Charles Oliveira, even though I really want to see them fight. Volkanovski, man, 26-2 for 13 knockouts, three subs of those 26 victories. And he's actually 11-0 at featherweight, by the way. At lightweight, um, he's probably like 1-1 one one or something. He uh, lost to Islam last time out in February, so... We'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. As for Islam, twenty-four and one, four knockouts, eleven submissions. This guy loves to submit people. My goodness, uh, five foot ten to five foot six in favor of Islam, and a seventy-one inch reach to seventy in favor of Volk. Though he's got them long arms. Alexander Volkanovski, thirty-five years old. He's from Australia. Islam, thirty-one years old. You already know this boy's from Dagestan, Russia. Oh my gosh, Khabib's brother. Not actually, but they're close like that. Man, oh man. Orthodox stands for Volk in Southpaw for Islam, by the way. That's right, Alexander Volkanovsky, your current featherweight champion, the number two pound-for-pound -pound fighter on the roster. He's been doing this in the UFC since 2016. Actually, a former rugby player. This guy's just unreal athletic. Debuted, uh, actually, TKO'd Yusuke Kasuya his UFC debut. Next finish was against Jeremy Kennedy in 2018. Next finish was against Chad Mendez also in 2018. Got fight of the night for that. Would end up being Jose Aldo at UFC 245. He would then beat Max Holloway by um, unanimous decision. Then beat him by split decision. Would then beat Brian Ortega defending the featherweight belt. Would then beat Korean Zombie defending the belt. Then beat Max again. I mean, he has three wins against Max Holloway. Just insane. He suffered his first ever UFC defeat to Islam Makachev earlier this year in February. That was a very close fight, um, highly debated on scoring. I do think the consensus, though, is that it was a 48-47 in favor of uh, Islam Makachev, though. Islam won round one, Volk round two, Islam round three, Is Alexander round four. Or no, uh, I'm trying to think of what it was. It was all tied up. No, Never mind. Islam was up 3-1 to one, heading into round 5 because Volk won round 5. That is what I remember. And, you know, unlike Islam, who sat by for the full year, Volk went out and defended his belt in July of 2023, destroyed Yair Rodriguez, used his grappling, used his striking, 10 8 him in rounds 1 and 2, and then TKO'd him in round 3. It's one of the craziest, craziest fights. Um, in fact, round 3, the finishing sequence, Yair stings Volk 
and Volk eats it, fires off a huge punch, nearly knocks Ayer out, then takes him down to the ground and ground and pounds him to death. My goodness, Volkanovski cannot wait to see him fight. Is on Makachev, though, as I mentioned, 12-fight winning streak. Um, debut in the UFC in 2015, got a nice rear-naked chokehold, then was shockingly stung with a punch and suffered his first-ever career defeat to Adriano Martins. Um, just young, being too aggressive. Didn't really get knocked out. Was maybe out for a second. That's why the ref stopped it, but it worked out for the best as he would go on to beat Chris Wade, Nick Lentz, Gleason Tabeau, Kajan Johnson, Armin Tezukrian. Oh, he holds a win over Armin Tezukrian, Davi Ramos, Drew Dober, Tiago Moises, Dan Hooker, Bobby Green, and last October submitted Charles Oliveira. Now, obviously, earlier this year beat Alexander Volkanovsky, so this will be his third title fight. But man, oh my goodness, Islam, so talented. Both these guys are. I love both of them. I don't want to see either of them lose, but times have changed since February. My life has changed. Your life has changed. Everyone's life has changed. And the interesting thing is, is I told myself I would never bet against Islam Makachev. But there's just something about this guy, Alexander Volkanovsky, who ended the first fight winning, who defended his feather, fly, featherweight belt dominantly, who took this fight on short notice, who said he's going to knock him out in the early rounds, who is all talk, the true BMF of the UFC, we're going with Alexander Volkanovsky this time around to win the lightweight championship and become double champion. That's right. That's right. I mean, it's in Abu Dhabi. It's short notice. It's just all the odds are stacked against him. But that's when I love to make my pick. So you know what I got to do? Alexander Volkanovsky, round two, knockout, book it. He's stinging Islam. He's punching him into the ground, and he's taking the belt down to Australia. He's going to be the double champ, the down-under double champ, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. That's my prediction, boys. I know I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little risky on it. I'm a little torn. I mean, Islam is super talented. Islam is super talented. But, I mean, Volkanovski, man, I just can't get over it. He's such a badass for this, and I just got to root for him. And if I pick Islam and he wins, yeah, yeah. But if I pick Alexander Volkanovski and he wins, I'm going crazy. Plus, I mean, we went 0-5 for the first time ever in my UFC picks career last weekend. We got to we gotta come back with some heat, clearly. We got to come back with some fire. And, uh, yeah, that's what's going to happen on this card. Cannot wait for UFC 294 going down Saturday, October 21st in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. And that's that, folks. That's the end of the video. That's all I got. The video. The podcast, obviously. I, I could be a YouTuber if I got the equipment. But, no, I chose to do podcasts. That was my that was my career choice. No, this isn't what I do as a career. I'm a broke college student. UFC 294, going to be great. Um, you know, let me just end it by recapping all my picks. Starting off on the early prelims, we got Shara Magomedov over Bruno Silva, round one submission. Victoria Dudikova over Jin Yu Frey, round two submission. Nathaniel Wood over Muhammad Naimov by decision. Um, Anshul Jubilee over Mike Breeden by round one TKO. Um, well, who else do we got? Um... Heading into the normal prelims, we have Cedric Dumas over Abu Azatir, round one knockout. Javid Basharat over Victor Henry by unanimous decision. Trevor Peak over Mohamed Yaya by round two knockout. And uh, what else we got? We have uh, Mohamed Moikaev over uh, Tim Elliott in the flyweight division by a round, uh, what 
which we say round two submission. Um, we have Said Nurmagomedov on the main card over Muin Gafurov by round one submission. We have Ikram Alakasterov over Walray Alvarez by round one knockout. Magomed Ankalaev over Johnny Walker by unanimous decision. Hamzat Chamayev Bors over Kamru the Nigerian Nightmare Usman, round two submission, and round two knockout for your one and the only, the great Alexander Volkanovsky over Islam Makhachev. I cannot wait for this card, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. I just, I appreciate it so much. I appreciate all my listeners, the time you take to listen to this. Follow me on all my socials. I mean, TikTok, search me up, Zach Ruger, ZTR2002. On Verdict MMA, it's ZR2002. Instagram, Zach Ruger. Snapchat, add me, Zach Ruger. Twitter, add me, Zach Ruger. Talk to me. Let me know what your guys' thoughts are for the fights. Let me know if you want to come on the podcast. Let me know if you have any ideas for the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, UFC 294 this weekend. Week 7 of the NFL also this weekend. It don't get any better than this. Have an amazing weekend yourselves, and I'll see you guys next time on the Surprise Jab Podcast.